Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode number 348 with Chris Rowe, and you're going to get to hear about his elk hunting season in Colorado so far, and he kind of gives us our outlook and our forecast, our rut report for Colorado. Uh, And then very shortly after this episode, uh, you'll hear him on the way to uh, going hunting. He actually harvests a bull, and we're going to try and get a recap from him on that. Uh, I want to thank him for his time and his expertise always with this podcast. Uh, Guys, I want to take a quick second here and thank the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, The title sponsor of the podcast is Go Hunt Insider. Just want to remind you guys that they are offering a a free 30-day free trial. uh, And you can go in and get the Insider access for free. You can get a sample of everything that Go Hunt offers You can find more hunting opportunities in the West for draw tags, over-the-counter tags, and learn how to be more successful. All you have to do is go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott, and you follow the prompts, and you'll get the 30-day free trial. Uh, Make sure to check them out. Also, kuyu.com, kuyu ultralight hunting. Uh, The mobile showroom uh, is going to be uh, in... Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, September 14th through the 16th. Grand Junction, Colorado, September 21st through the 23rd. Salt Lake City, the 28th through the 30th. Cedar City, Utah, October 5th through the 7th. Uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, the 12th through the 14th. Then Phoenix, San Diego, Los Angeles, and Reno. The great thing about the mobile showroom is that you can go and see every single product that Kuyu offers in every size and in every color. You can try the boots on. You can try the packs on. You can see what size you are in the Super Down jacket. Uh, All of the products are right there on the trailer. And uh, they're going to be in uh, cities all across the West. Go to Kuyu. Uh, dot com and check out where the mobile showroom is next. I uh, want to thank them for their sponsorship. Also, PhoneScope, uh, Cheston Davis. Uh, if you use the J Scott 16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount at PhoneScope.com. Also, the Optics Authority, the Outdoorsman's Cody Nelson and his group there in Arizona. If you use the J Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% Uh, discount there. They are the optics authority. So with hunting season in full swing, if you need any uh, gear, uh, tripods, uh, they make uh, incredible accessories for glassing, uh, you know, uh, adapters and such. Uh, Give the guys at the Outdoorsman's a call or go to outdoorsmans.com. Use the J. Scott promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount. Guys, we're right just uh, kicking off hunting season. I love hearing from you. Uh, Please continue to keep sending emails and direct messages uh, on Instagram. You can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com or on my Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Send me a direct message. I'm getting lots of photos in, lots of questions, lots of comments, and I try and answer those as quickly as I as I can. I thank you for all the loyal support. Let's get right to the episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got Chris Rowe of Rowe Hunting Resources, and the last time I talked with Chris, we had done some great podcasts and got some unbelievable feedback on those podcasts, but Chris, you were headed out with some relatives of yours 
on some over-the-counter Colorado elk hunting, and man, uh, you guys, a uh, 15-year-old kid got an unbelievable bull for his first time uh, archery elk hunting. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he's ruined for a little bit. How you been? Uh, been great, buddy. Um, I know you uh, had to run back to Kansas to take care of a few uh, things on the uh, farms there, but uh, you're headed back out elk hunting. Um, want to yeah. get a rut report from you, uh, but also uh, want to hear about how that went. Um, I'm betting that it was fairly slow bugling, but, uh, you know, you guys shot like a, what yeah. is it, a 355 bull or something? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was your typical early season, I, and that's the thing. Some people love it, some people hate it. I love the early season, and you're right. I mean, there was no... For us, there was no bugling. We didn't hear a peep. Now, I know there's, you said you want to do a rut report, and there's some other places that um, in the end of August they were cranking already. But for us, uh, no, not a peep. Uh, the only vocalization, well, it wasn't even vocalization. The only activity we saw that you could actually hear anything was a couple of bulls sparring, and you could just sit there and watch them and, you know, two five-point, you know, decent five-point bulls just sparring and, and just getting a feel for each other. But it was dead quiet. Uh, but if you know where the elk are and, and you know how to get in and get on them, I mean, it could be extremely productive. And, and we did. We hunted hard for the first four days. It was uh, real slow. We knew the elk were around. There wasn't a lot of sign, but we knew that the elk were in there somewhere. We laid eyes on a few. Uh, just couldn't just fit just how thick it was and terrain and just a variety of different factors for those first about three days, we really just couldn't get in on anything to really work it, and so finally that that fourth day, we decided, all right, well, we're going to go back up into the head end of this one particular valley. I've hunted before. We've done well, and it's years past. I'm talking like years ago. It used to be good, and so I kind of know where the elk bed, how they move, and, and kind of what they do in certain areas, so I, we snuck in there. We actually got in there later than what we wanted and just decided, we were like, you know what, we're right smack dab, and, the, you know, there's a bedding area to our left. We're kind of at the head end of a bowl, so there's a bedding area above us to the left, or at the right, there's a bedding area above us in front of us, and there's a bedding area that's off to our left, and there's, you know, just the way the terrain, the, the habitat is, there's a, several just funnels that come down into this particular set of meadows. And, you know, with the amount of rain that this particular area got this summer, I mean, it's just overgrown like crazy. I mean, it's just grass is, you know, shoulder high to me in some places. So it's just thick. And so we just set up, and I said, well, you know, like we talked about before, early season, uh, and I, get this, I got this question a lot this year, you know, what am I going to, how am I going to call? What am I going to do? What I, you know, and I did exactly what we talked about. Just, I'm going to sound like a group of cows and calves that drop down into this particular spot. I'm going to sound like cows and calves doing their own thing. Uh, and then I'm just going to see if, if anybody's interested. And so I did and just started cranking the lost calf calls and responding like a mature cow. And if we start, we'd called for a little while, just cold calling. And then you can just hear in the in the brush, in the trees, you know, just, again, it's so thick you can hardly see in places. 
did you hear something moving our way? So I told, you know, like you, know, you said, there, there, it's my cousin, 15-year-old cousin, and, and my uncle. I looked at my uncle. I, I, I just looked at him. I said, you know what? There's something coming. I said, you get ready. You look behind us. You cover everything behind us. And I, I was with Abe. He was by me, and I said, all right, we're, we're just going to, we're just going to get set up here, and I talked to him, just talked through the entire scenario, where the elk are probably going to come from, how they're going to probably move, where we're going to draw the bow, what I'm going to do to stop that. I, I set the whole thing up in case, you know, just one of those in case type of deal. And so I just kept calling, just, you know, just called, let it sit for a little bit, call a little bit more, let it sit. Again, just sounded like cows and calves. And the bull... It, and it was, it was a bull that was in the thick stuff, started sneaking in behind him. He was not sneaking downwind. He was just keeping the thick cover between us and him, and he was just slowly inching his way closer. And meanwhile, it's starting to get dark. I mean, we're losing light, and we're losing light fast. And where this animal was, I was like, there's no way we're going to get a shot at this animal. And we are a long way back. We are a long way from camp. And we are in some nasty, thick stuff, and I mean, it was nasty getting in there in the daylight. And I'm thinking, Chris, let me stop. Know, let me stop you right there, real fast. Let me stop you right there. So the thing is, is that, you know, the bull was working his way in, but it's getting dark, and I knew from the direction that bull's coming and how slow he's coming. There's no well, at the, and, I, and I should say, at this point, I did not know it was a bull. I just knew that you know it could have been a bear, it could have been a deer. But it was getting, it was starting to get dark, and it was a ba- we were way back in there, and it was nasty just getting in there, even in the daylight. I'm thinking, you know, we probably ought to start heading back to camp while we have at least some light to get out of here. So, about 20 minutes before end of legal shooting light, I turned to Dad and I'm like, dude, we we probably ought to call it. Just let's just back out of here and come back in in the morning. And he gives me the thumbs up. And I turn back to Abe, and I'm just about to tell him, and I look up, and out of nowhere, there's a bull standing broadside, 60 yards. I can't, his antlers are buried in the tree limbs, but I can tell from the body size, I'm like, this is a big, this is a big animal. I'm like, holy, so I kind of motion to Tom that there's a bull. Well, as that bull's standing there, I get, Abe lined out so he can see it. He's he's got eye contact eye contact on it. Well, now the animal that's in the brush behind us, he starts moving and he starts coming. And I mean, he's coming to us right now. But he's coming to Tom. I turn to Tom. I'm like, dude, you need to get ready. But the only shooting lane, shooting the, the only way Tom was going to get a shot at that bull stepped out at like literally five, you know, five steps, maybe four or five steps. I told him, I said, you need to get ready. Well, the, the bigger, the animal we could see moves from our left to right, disappears and starts heading towards the animal in the brush behind us. Well, sure enough, at this point, the bull that's in the brush just lets out the, just, I mean, you've probably heard it when two bulls get too close to one another and one feels threatened, he'll hiss. And the bull in the brush next to us hissed, and I mean, just the longest, loudest hiss that you can imagine and I'm thinking alright well we know that one's definitely a bull and either these two are about to lock horns about 10 yards from us or 
we better get ready. And so I told Abe, I said, make sure you're rest here. I, I want your release on the strings. You need to get ready to draw. And when I said that, sure enough, that bull that he ended up killing steps out. And we're li- I'm looking at my watch. We've got five minutes left. I mean, and it's just, there's plenty of light we can see, but I mean, it's just thick. And this bull steps out, goes behind this thick willows. There's a little tiny creek corridor in front of us that's just all choked out with willows. Well, the bull turns, comes our way, drops into the willows, and drops out of sight. But when he steps clear, he's only going to be 15 yards. And I told him, at that point, I was like, Abe, you need to draw your bow right now. And Abe pulls back, just pretty as you please. I said, right here. I pointed right there. That bull clears the willows. And, and Jay, I mean, you've been with enough, enough hunters. You know, Abe, this is his first elk hunt. Now, he's seen pictures of bulls. But he was excited about the 4x4s and small 5x5s we were seeing. It didn't matter. A legal bull, he was going to shoot. This bull, his head clears the willows, and I see his fronts, and I see his thirds, and I see his sword. I'm like, oh, my good, he's a giant. So this bull steps out, and he pauses, and he's, he's no shot on his vitals. He's quartering to, his, to us. I just told Abe, I'm right in his ear. I'm like, just hold, just hold as long as you can. Just hold, hold. Well, as soon as I said that, that bull steps up. He walks up out of the creek, that little creek, turns broadside, just perfect. I just gave him just a little bit of, I always stop him with just a little voice chuckle, just a, oh, oh. That bull stops broadside, turns, looks. I just told, I just told Abe, I'm smoking. And Abe just, he is just as clean and steady, just Boom, shot. That arrow zipped through that bull so fast. I mean, just if you, you know the sound. I mean, anybody that, that's been close in bow hunting, you know when you get a good, solid, double-long hunt, you know, double-long hit, it just, it's just in the boiler room. I mean, it makes a, that unique, hollow sound. And, oh, I get excited about it, just thinking about it. And I heard that sound. I'm like, it's done. He, he, just, he just smoked a giant. So the bull turns crashes up into the timber, and that thing literally goes like 60 yards and just piles in about 10, 15 seconds. I'm, I'm, tr- I'm literally trying to just wrestle my emotion because at this point, Abe turns around. Well, when the bull steps out, Abe goes, he's the illegal bull. I was like, just smoke him. So <laughs> Abe, turns to, Abe turns to me, and he's like, did I get him? I'm like, you know, you know, being responsible, I'm like, all right, well, in my mind, I'm like, dude, let's just walk over and get him, you know? But I'm like, no, I'm like, yeah, it sounded like a good hit, you know, let's let's give it 30 minutes, let's get, and meanwhile, Dad, I'm fist pumping to Dad behind us, you know, and, and Dad, I'm like, come on over. Meanwhile, the, the second bull, he's still standing there, so I'm, I'm like, trying to keep the guys quiet, I'm like, dude, we can come away with a double right now. Well, the bull turns, the other bull turns, he just kind of disappears back up the hill. So we're like, all right. I think, you know, both Tom and Abe were willing to, you know, wait 30 minutes. I'm like, I made it 10 minutes. I'm like, God, let's go get this. Let's just just go. And so I put Abe out in front. Now, I will say this. um, This is the first time that I have, I've hunted with his dad. I've hunted with Tom, but I've never hunted with Abe. That kid is going to be a phenomenal phenomenal hunter. 
his instincts are incredible. His decision-making process throughout the hunt was incredible. We had friends of ours that hunted in the valley, or friends of mine anyway. Uh, his son hunted in the same general area for some mule deer, and this kid's friend who shot a mule deer had trouble tracking it. They came to our camp. We went over to help him. Abe is the one that did the bulk of the tracking and just did an incredible job. And so Abe is just phenomenal. So I put Abe out in front of him like, dude, Let's go. Let's see if we can find your arrow. Let's wait till you think. I'm like, there's no hope in finding this arrow. And Abe's like, well, the, the bull went in. He went over here. He's a couple steps over this way. He went through this corridor. I'm like, all right, let's go. We got there. I mean, blood, 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 blood. He's using ram cats. I mean, it was just instantaneous. Blood, 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 bubble, blood, bubble, blood, big blood. I mean, just a blind man could have followed that blood trail. But I just let Tom and Abe just go out front. And I, I mean, I knew. Apes going spot to spot. Meanwhile, I'm behind them, over top of their head, shining the flash. They, you know, 60 yards in front. I'm like, where the heck is it? Did they land here? You know. And sure enough, I mean, he tracked it until we were like five yards from the animal. I'm like, Abe, just look up. I mean, just this gigantic six by seven, massive bull laying there. And I, and you know, you know when you, you know, I mean, there, you can have a bull that scores well. But for me, I walk up to this animal, I'm like, this bull is, I mean, if he's not 1,000 pounds, this bull is 900 in strong change. This bull, from a physical body standpoint, was an absolute tank. I'm, my guess is that bull was probably about a 9-year-old or, or better bull. Uh, just an absolute monster. I mean, he just... <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was just, and of course, both of them at that point, as soon as he saw it, he just, I mean, both of them just lost it. And I'm, I'm back there just shaking my head, you know, just, un, un, you know, here we are, we've been eyeballing some 4 by 4s and small 5 by 5 getting excited, putting game plans together to, to try to get those on the ground. They don't work, and the first bull that works is a is a 355 giant. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty much That was awesome. So that is awesome, and then it, it then the pack out began. It took you guys a couple of days to get the bull out, almost, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, I did. We, you know, we had, you know, that's the, the other thing too that's kind of funny. You know, in, in the planning for the hunt, I told them what they needed, and you know, they they're like, you know, a lot of us, you know, average guys. That you know, this is their first elk hunt, number one. So they don't know if, if this is something that, you know, Tom enjoys elk hunting, but he's really there for Abe. But he doesn't know if Abe's going to, you know, really gravitate to elk hunting or not. And so, you know, he's spending money on gear. Okay, well, they've got a limited, very limited budget, uh, so they can't buy top-end gear. And really for Abe, you know, he's growing to where you don't buy expensive boots, you don't buy expensive clothes, because he's going to grow out of it in six months, you know. And so when yeah. I asked him, I said, you know, do you have good backpacks? Oh, yeah, yeah, we got good backpacks in the whole nine yards. Well, when they show up, they've got day packs, and their day packs have, like, they have no belt. There's, like, no hip belt, no hip belt support. It's just, they're just bags that hang off your shoulders. I'm like, oh, this, this is not going to end well. So we had my good backpacks. <laughs> we, borrowed, we, we borrowed another good backpack from a buddy. But yeah, it was me, Tom, Abe, and uh, 
Gabe's brother, because the whole that's the other thing that's cool about this hunt is the whole their whole family, the daughters, the, the sisters, and other brothers, they all came along and they went and fished and, and just vacationed in other places in Colorado while we hunted. Well, they were there at camp when this happened. So all the boys were able to go up and, and see the bull and help pack out the bull and but it still took us two days of shuttling that animal off the mountain um, to get her out of there. But uh, it worked. It, and I think you saw on that Instagram, the only hitch we had in the whole thing, it worked great. We just stashed everything in the creek. But we did have a bear that found uh, basically the front quarter and hind quarter that was still left stashed there and snagged them and took them up the side of the mountain. Luckily, we found them. We kind of, I kind of figured where the bear would take it if, if he stole the meat, where he was going to take it. So we went up the hill, and sure enough, we found both quarters stashed. He'd only eaten a little, he probably ate about 10% of each quarter. They were dirty and messed up and everything, but we still packed them out, took them to the processor, cleaned up, and recovered everything that was left. So 333 pounds of meat was processed. Wow. And that's, that's after incredible. The bear that, that, that after the bear had eaten a bunch. So. <laughs> wow, wow, that's awesome. Um, so the entire time that you were there, did you hear any bugling or no? Uh, they were there for a week. Not a peep, not a single bugle. No, 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 I take that back, I take that back. Uh, in an adjacent canyon, in a spot we could not get to, uh, there was another 6x6 six six that had about 13 cows. He was, I mean, a real nice 6x6, six six, probably a three, well, 310 bull, probably. Uh, he had about 13 cows or so. He jeweled once or twice, just a real light squeal, and then that was it. He was gone. He was just passing through, squealed a couple times, and that was it for that, that first entire week. But then it was, I stayed another week, and it wasn't until the end of that week that I finally had a, just a couple little squeals. So my entire hunt there, that first two weeks of where I was, it was brutally quiet. But that's not to say the rest of the state was that way, but that where I was, it was just brutally quiet. What do you attribute that to? Um, you know, just, you know, we talk about, you know, the facts that, that affect the rut all the time. And, you know, where I was, uh, the cows had not dropped in out of the high country yet. The bulls that were in the canyons were all batches. They were just all the bulls that had lived there in their summer. That, that was their summer age. They were still on summer mode. Uh, they were still just kind of thinking, like I said, there was those two five-by-fives that were just, they weren't fighting. They weren't pushing each other around. They were just literally playing. They were just feeling each other out. So where I was, it was very, very early. Um, and so, I, and that's, again, that's why I stuck very, very hard to the lost calf sound, those, those really trying to appeal to those maternal, yeah, if the cows are in there, then great, I want to appeal to the maternal instinct of those cows, but more importantly, I want to sound like a group of cows and calves that have just dropped in, just to see if those bulls were interesting, and again, those two bulls that finally responded came in that night, that they came in silent, they didn't say anything, but they were definitely curious at what this group of ladies, who, who this group of ladies was, and, and that big bull walked over and, you know, probably laid his ears back, probably laid his antlers back to that other bull that was in the brush and said, 
step aside, these are mine, you know, I'm, I'm going to come in and check them out, and, and it worked out. But um, in other areas of the state, I can't tell you, I'm dead serious, this is no exaggeration, exaggeration, I can't tell you the number of texts, emails, uh, Facebook messages, Instagram messages, forum, I mean, I got pounded by guys that were in the central part of the state, some of the high country areas that were, you know, they got, they were going in a week before season to get their game cameras or check their game cameras or get camps set up or whatever, and in their areas, the bulls were screaming and already had cows, and they were panicked, going, oh my gosh, what's going on, you know, is it, you know, it going to be early, what should I do? And I'm like, no, I just, you know, we talk about that in that eight-part series, Rethinking the Rod, no, I mean, some of these areas, absolutely. You know, we talked about in one of the previous podcasts up there when I did my observation in the beginning of August, um, you know, that bachelor group of bulls at the beginning of August, the first couple of days of August, busted up and moved up the mountain and headed to the cow-calf groups. And by the first week of August, there was elk, there was bulls, big mature bulls already in with those cow-calf groups so that by, you know, middle of August, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that there was some jiggling going on. But we're, we're I just did a I just did a podcast with um, Ben Gorman from Wyoming, and he killed a giant 389 bull. And he, nice. he said, gee, I couldn't believe it. It was hotter than blazes. And he said uh, in the afternoons they'd light up about, you know, 3.34 o'clock and bugle their guts out. And, um, I mean, and this was like the first handful of days of September. He said, it, you know, he was yeah. shocked that they were going as good as they were. Well, I mean, it, it all depends on your your herd dynamics, your age class, what's going on with those cows. You know, again, I talk, we, again, we, we, we've mentioned it before, and, you know, everybody says, you know, when, when things don't pan out the way they think it's going to be, everybody's first thought is, oh, it's going to be a late rut. Well, uh, there's only one factor that's going to push a cow late in their estrogen cycle, but there's a handful of factors that will actually pull her in early. And, those factors are in play. A lot of these places, especially in some of these areas where we've got a good, diverse age structure and we've got good, mature bulls around, absolutely. I mean, we've got numerous times where we video cows being bred September 3rd, September 6th, September 9th. Now, granted, that could be an outlier, but, the, I mean, what is it? I don't know, I mean, probably half a dozen years ago now or whatever it is, um, we literally watched at the end of September, we were literally watching bulls leaving cow-calf groups, getting grouped back up in bachelor groups, and heading up the mountain to their traditional winter range at the end of September. They were done. The rut was done. The rut in these areas was done by about the 15th of September, so about the 29th, 30th of September, there was nothing for them there. They were out. See, now the Young bulls were still hanging around with the cows. They were bugling their heads off, but there was no cows receptive. The mature bulls headed out because everything had happened early. So I always advocate for folks to get out there opening weekend, evaluate, see what happens, and then make your plans for the rest of the season. There's a lot of guys who say, nope, I'm going to wait till the end of, you know, I'm going to wait till the last week of the season. Well, you may miss it. Then, then what do you got? You got, you got nothing, you know? You're left with nothing. So Yeah. Going into, so it's September 14th now, you're headed back to Colorado to over-the-counter areas. What are you expecting uh, the elk to be doing, and do your ta- 
what tactics or how are your tactics going to change from uh, when you were there, you know, 10 days ago? Well, I, I've, I'm cheating a little bit. Where I'm headed, I know for a fact the bulls have started to talk. When I left there, I was with a buddy of mine, no, a buddy of my son, and we had checked a different area, and the bulls were just starting to talk. And then he went into the area where we were just talking about, and I guess it was just a, it was a rut fest. I mean, he got into a, what you call a meatball, where there was one big bull, bunch of satellite bulls, bunch of cows, and I mean, he was just, it was just cranking. So I know that they're talking where I'm headed now. My strategy, how it's going to change, is rather than leaning heavy, uh, if I start engaging the bulls and start calling them, I'm really going to probably focus more on my targeted strategy uh, like I normally do. Any, anybody that's a subscriber and watches the Strategy in Action videos or has the strategy, uh, the Elk Hunter Strategy app, I talk about the passive strategy, the targeted strategy, and the aggressive strategy. Well, early, I used more of a passive strategy. Now I'm going to probably lead heavy on a targeted strategy where I'm going to use more mature cow sounds. I'm going to be using those lost mews, using the assembly mews, but talking directly to the bull I'm, I'm engaging. Uh, but also, you know, the bugles are going to come in a lot more in play. I, you know, as far as if that bull has cows and those cows just don't want to do anything with me, I'll lean heavy on those calf sounds to see if I can appeal to the maternal instinct of the cows. But if it doesn't work, then it's just all going to be about getting in close, either either working at midday when the bulls got the cows bedded down or just trying to get in close and either worry them with some bugles or see if I can't sucker them out with a really good targeted or aggressive cow calling strategy. And I, and I, and I have no problem on uh, pulling out those vocalizations like we talked about before with that, you know, real elk sounds, the, the selfish muse, those real aggressive, just long, loud, raspy, lost muse that just demand, you know, just listen to me. Pay attention to me now. You know, I'll get, I'll definitely get a lot more aggressive with my cow calling if I need to. Good stuff, good stuff. And then from there, you're headed to Arizona, which it should be full tilt by the time you get there. Yeah, that's what I think. I, I talked to a couple of our friends down there, and they said that they've been screaming already. And uh, in our in our old stomping grounds, it seems like they a they had great antler production this year. Uh, we know we've got a large group of even-aged uh, bulls that have all packed on a bunch of inches. So I'm, I am, I'm actually very optimistically hopeful and anxious that we might be in for a really great season in Arizona this year. And so, yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm on my way to Arizona. I'm just going to make a pit stop. Um, into this area, you know, on my hunt, get more to my hunting spots just to see if I can't get an elk on the ground. I mean, you, you know, you, you saw my little fiasco. Or not fiasco. I, I can't say that. It, it, this year for me, personally, it was probably one of my best seasons that I've ever had. I mean, as far as numbers of mature bulls that I've you know, been very blessed to find and then be able to really, you know, key in on and able to work. It's just, you know, one, I had a oak stub jump out in front of the animal and stop my arrow, and the other three, I had the wind shift at the wrong time and blew them out of there, so 
I'm going to give it one last hurrah tomorrow and see if I can't get it done. And if it, if it doesn't work out, then, nah, it's been a good season. I'm just going to head straight to Arizona. Right on, buddy. Um, have you gotten some good feedback from our podcast that we we did a handful of series a couple weeks ago? I know I have. Yeah, I, I did. I heard from a, a few folks that really appreciate it. I've been out of pocket for so long now that I just, man, everything's just starting to blend together, all the messages. And, and, and for anybody who listened that, that sent me a message that I just haven't responded to yet, I apologize. It's just been crazy. So I, I will get to it. Hopefully, if, if it's not time-sensitive, I'll, I'll definitely get to it. But, yeah, no, it seems like people really enjoyed that. Yeah, I always enjoy having a conversation with you. So I, as long as people enjoy it, we'll keep doing it. That's right, buddy. Well, sounds good. And um, give you a chance to let the listeners know where they can find you, Chris. Yeah, you betcha. Everything is uh, always just row hunting resources. That's R-O-E, huntingresources.com. Uh, obviously, our website, we've got the subscription stuff where you can, if you want to learn, and I know it's in the middle of the season, but if you're struggling or if you're, you know, pulling your hair out because you just can't figure out what's going on, just, we've got a three-month subscription. It's cheap. You know, if you use the J. Scott podcast code, it's like 20 bucks for three months, but there's a lot of information in there that'll be very, very relevant from now through the rest of the archery season, especially for those early rifle season guys and gals, it's going to be very good information. But if you want, we've got our YouTube channel, just Row Hunting Resources, Instagram, Facebook, all of it. So just Row Hunting Resources, you'll find us. Awesome, buddy. Well, knock them dead. Hopefully I'll get a text from you tomorrow with the bull down and um, have fun in Arizona if I don't talk to you before then. And uh, as always, buddy, God bless. And, uh, yeah, just uh, get after them and uh, – Hopefully, hopefully you get a bowl tomorrow. Well, that's fingers crossed. I will let you know, and uh, I can call you to help pack out, right? You're only how many hours away? Yeah, just give me a call. I'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm waiting on you, Jay. Where are you? I'm waiting. All right. <laughs> All, All right, right brother. Take care. Drive safe. All right, thanks, man. Be safe yourself.